Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. And we are delighted that you've decided to join us today for our continuing series on the 10 major Christian doctrines. Uh, we've covered four so far, I believe, Pastor, haven't we? Soteriology, homardiology, uh, theology, and, and this will be our fourth. This will be our fourth one. Christology, yes. uh, the study of Jesus Christ. Um, this is probably uh, the most, uh, if we had to label them in order of importance, uh, I, I would say that this one would have to be the preeminent doctrine uh, because he is to have all the, he's to be preeminent in all things. Uh, so most important Christian doctrine uh, that we can study. So, uh, and pastor has accumulated a wealth of knowledge of, over the years on, on this particular study. And we are honored and, and uh, delighted that, that he is uh, willing to share it with us. So without further ado, pastor, tell us about Christology. Well, of course, as you've already said, Christology is the study of Jesus Christ. And uh, just a few opening remarks. Uh, this study um, is so immense, so amazing. Uh, and as I was studying it and outlining it to present it on this podcast, I had to find a way to condense it, but it's almost impossible to condense uh, the study of Jesus Christ. Now, before we go into the study, um, please understand that we would li like for you to be able to follow along uh, in your Bibles. Have your Bibles ready, and uh, and for a couple of reasons, because the Bible is the Word of God, after all. Uh, secondly, because uh, I think you ought to check us out to see what we're saying is absolutely true because we want, don't want to uh, give any false doctrine uh, and we don't want to make any um, mistakes. Um, and before we started this, uh, this uh, lesson, uh, we had a word of prayer. Um, Curtis and myself and my wife uh, who sits here with us and listens and takes notes and and uh, supports me and Curtis. Uh, she's, she's wonderful. So now let me just say this. This doctrine is so large. It's so immense. It's so great. It's so amazing that if we get it all in in one hour, we'll still feel like we haven't done our job. So, right. so we need to understand that about us. Um, so uh, let us... Let us begin. Um, first of all, uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, the first three verses. It starts out by saying this, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I can't wait till we get to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit after having read that oh, verse. Boy. Then 
In Genesis 1-3, it says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now, what, what was that light? Because that was the first thing God put on the earth was light. Oh, so, well, wait a minute. Didn't he create the sun? Yes, he did. Well, maybe that's the light that you're talking about. It, can, it cannot be because right. God did not create the sun. Until it was the fourth thing oh, that he created. And by the way, that's right. this first thing was not a created thing. This was something that was already in existence right. eternally. Yes. And so Jesus is that light. Now, how can we say that? Well, again, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. Wonderful, wonderful chapter. They're all wonderful chapters, of course. 66 books in the Bible penned by... 40 human beings. And so what was that light? Let us begin reading Gospel of John chapter 1. It begins the same way Genesis chapter 1 begins, in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, so see, we're, we're still talking about this word that was with God and this word that was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. How can we understand everything there is to know about the Lord Jesus Christ? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Notice that's, that that's capitalized. In capitalized. The and by the way, we're using the King James Version. It's the one we prefer. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the Light that all men through him might believe him, the light, the light, Jesus Christ. He was not that light. He's talking about himself. Yeah, he's talking about John. Talking about John. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Can I go quickly to Titus chapter 2, verse 11? You can. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. And dear believers, you have come to the light if you believe in Jesus Christ. For those of you who have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still in darkness. And we don't want you to be that way. Because, because the gospel of Jesus Christ has appeared in one way or another to all men. And so um, Jesus was the true light. He said he was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him 
not. It came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Mm -hmm. And so in this study, understand this, that the first thing that the earth got was light. Jesus is the light of the world. Well, we read this passage in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and we even went into verse 12, which tells you how to be saved, to believe. And so um, the first thing we want you to know about Jesus Christ is he is the light of the world. He opens the eyes of every man. He convicts every man uh, in their soul and spirit. He is the light of the world. Now, several things about this light of the world that I want to talk about. Now, again, have your Bibles open. Uh, I will give you time uh, to turn uh, to the passage because I'm going to take time to turn to the passage. I've memorized most of these things, but I want to read them correctly. The first thing in our about Jesus Christ is he is the light of the world. Can you imagine a world that's dark all the time? No. I'm glad we don't have to imagine it. That's right. Me too. So the first thing that I want you to see about um, the light of the world is the largeness of the light of the world. We're going to, we're talking about Jesus Christ and we're going to talk about, first of all, his name. And secondly, we're going to talk about his nature. Now his name is Jesus. That's the Greek, that comes from the Greek form of the word for God. Jesus is God in the flesh. John goes on in this first chapter to say, uh, that that uh, we he was the first begotten of God and and uh, and he was God's precious son. His name means God or it means Jehovah Savior. Jesus is the salvation aspect of his name. Christ is the word for his nature. We're going to talk about both things. By the way, the name Jesus occurs in the New Testament. I did, I, I counted this several times. <laughs> 979 times. Wow. Is this an important doctrine, folks? Oh, I would say so. <laughs> By the way, the word Christ, yeah. that's his title. Yeah. Yeah. That's his nature. Uh -huh. It occurs 584 times. And the word Christ from the Greek word means the, the anointed one. God anointed, appointed his son, the second person of the Trinity, to be the light of the world. Uh, oh, by the way, He's called the Lord 736 times 
in the New Testament. He's called the Lord. And the word, word Lord, the Greek word is kurios, and it means supreme in authority. Jesus stated in the Bible, all authority is given unto me. All power. All power. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's right. And so he has all the authority. That's the largeness of his name. The immensity. By the way, while we're talking about the largeness of his name, he, he, the study of, uh, of Christology is so important because Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is also the likeness of God. Three times in the scriptures, we'll read that Jesus is the image of God. John 14, um, Jesus said, no man has seen God at any time. The Son of God, he hath declared him. Philip said in John chapter 14, he says, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you have seen the, seen Father. the Father. And so Jesus is the exact likeness. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 4, 4, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Uh, my favorite scripture regarding the likeness of God is in Hebrews chapter 1. Turn there with me, if you will, please, to Hebrews chapter 1. Yeah. Oh, don't get ahead sorry. of me, Curtis. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I do that sometimes. See, I, I raised him. Uh, we, he, he was hearing Bible verses and messages by the time he was three years old and could I understand them. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so if he if he interjects, please forget. No, don't forgive him. I'm glad. He, I'm glad he does it. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter one says this. God, what a great way to start a verse. God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in times past under the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days, and when we get to eschatology, we're going to tell you that we are in the last days, if you're asking that question. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed, anointed, heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. Remember John 1? Without him was not anything made. That was made. And then it goes on to say in Hebrews 1.3, who, that's Jesus Christ, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he in himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus' likeness is the express or the exact image of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. So he's like, God. part of his largeness is he is like God. By the way, he is also called the Lord, and he is called the Lord over 700 times in 
the New Testament. Seven, uh, and and we've, we've already talked about that 736 times. He is the Lord. That's part of the largeness of his name and his nature. He's the life of the world. He's the light of the world. He is the Lord of the world. Now, there's several other things. They're all going to begin with the letter L because I love to alliterate. And here's why. It helps me to remember what to say next. And it helps the listener to understand and, and to say, well, the next point's going to be another L. Oh, sure. And so that's so easier to remember that way and easier to remember. Yeah. And, and it's easier to teach and easier to yeah. preach that way. Uh, many of the great preachers of our time used alliteration. Uh, the great Lehman Strauss, uh, who is with the Lord right now, used to alliterate everything. I love to read his stuff. And so we alliterate. So uh, we want you to know this, that. Jesus Christ not only is the light of the world, he is the life of the world. He said in John chapter 14, verse 16, verse 6, said it very plainly and succinctly. And it was Jesus, God in the flesh, the very image of God, was speaking. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Think about that. So he was the life. By the way, let me, let me go back to the largeness of God, the largeness of Jesus Christ. John chapter 21. When I read this verse, I had to read it over and over again because I, I said, this is astounding. And, and, and I want you to be astounded like I was. And you ought to be. Uh, it's, it's, it's in John chapter 21, verse 25. And it talks about Peter. But then he says um, this, and this is the disciple which testifies of these things. And he's talking about himself who wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. Are you ready for this? How large is the Lord Jesus Christ? There are many things, other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And when I read that, and I thought, and I began to say, we're going to teach Christology. I said to myself, are we biting off more than we can chew? And the answer is yes. yes absolutely. There are so many other things. We won't know them. Paul said, now we see through a glass darkly. Second Corinthians or first Corinthians chapter 13. He says, but then face to face, then shall I know even as also I am known and we'll have all eternity to, if you'll <laughs> pardon the expression, to read all the books that yeah, can be written right. about the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? It will take eternity. Mm -hmm. And I'll be glad to do it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs>
my wife sitting on my right hand and gave a little <laughs> appreciative giggle. So uh, she does that from time to time, and uh, I love her for it. Okay, so that's amazing. And so that's that's the largeness of Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. He's the life of the world. He's the likeness of God. He's the Lord of all things. Not only that, he is the liberator. What? That's right. What do you do when you liberate something? You set it free. You set it free. Turn to Ephesians, please. Chapter 4, verse 8. Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 8. Curtis is turning there, and my wife will turn here as soon as she gets a blanket over her legs to keep her warm. It's kind of cold in this room, isn't it? I turned up the heat. You turned up the air conditioning. Okay. Not air conditioning, the heat. Okay. (laughs) Chapter 4 of Ephesians says this. Let's look at verse 7 first. But to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, and by the way, and later on in this book of Ephesians in chapter 4, we'll see that Jesus did ascend into heaven after his resurrection. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts unto men. Turn to First Peter, please, chapter three. First Peter, chapter three, chapter nineteen. Um, look at verse eighteen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Really. That's the reason he came, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit by which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. When Jesus ascended, he took all of the Old Testament saints out of the out of the section of paradise, which was right across the gulf from hell, and he took them to heaven. He liberated them from their captivity. He is our liberator. Look at John chapter 8, verse 36. John chapter 8, verse 36. It says there, well, let's look at this. Uh, uh, in, in, In chapter 8, verse 33, Jesus talking to his disciples. They answered him, saying, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. Oh, no, (laughs) you weren't. You were sold unto sin. And whoever serves sin is a servant to sin and a slave to sin and in bondage to sin. And they said, We're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Plain and simple, isn't it? And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. 
And if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you, you shall be free indeed, indeed without any <laughs> doubt. And make no doubt about it. Jesus Christ is our liberator because it says, if the Son, therefore, make you free. So in this study of Christology, Jesus Christ is our liberator. How did he do that? Well, he died for our sins. He was buried. And the third day he raised again from the dead. That's how. And so, being our liberator, he was also had to be the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's called the Lamb in the New Testament 28 times. 28 times he's referred to as the Lamb of God. 26 times it's in the book of the Revelation. But in John chapter 1, and if you'll turn there with me, John chapter 1, and I'm waiting till you get there. John chapter 1, verse, let's begin reading verse 29. You ready? Mm -hmm. He was talking to about the Pharisees. Let's, let's begin reading verse 24. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. They sent to see, they were sent to see Jesus. And they asked him and saith unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? He's talking about John the Baptist. And he said, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who cometh after me, is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in uh, Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day John seeth, uh, seeth him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Quickly look down to verse 36, the same chapter, chapter 1. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, why is that important? Because the Jewish law was very important to the Pharisees and to the Jews to whom he was breaching. And by the way, he was sent to the Jew first, then also to the Greeks, right. to the Gentiles. He came to the, the covenant people. Yep. yep. He came to, uh, to God's elect nation. First, they wanted the Jews to be what saved does first. What the word lamb mean to the Jews? Well, nice question. Sharon says, what did the word lamb mean to the Jews? Well, uh, I can't go into all of the things in the law. Like we said, we can't even begin to scratch the surface on some of these things. But in the book of Leviticus alone, mm -hmm. 15 times we see the word lamb and it was in the law of God and it was concerning the sacrifice for sin yes. and that lamb had to be without spot 
and blemish. Jesus asked his disciples, which of you convinceth me of sin? Wow. <laughs> and nobody could no. because he was sinless, not being from the seed of Adam. That's right. So in Leviticus alone, he was, now what was this lamb? It was without spot mm -hmm. and without blemish. It had to be the firstlings of the flock. As we've already said, Jesus was the first son of Mary, not the son of Joseph. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the foster father, as it were. But Jesus had four other brothers that were born after him. By the way, uh, uh, when they, well, by, by the way, when they uh, were going to go to see Jesus, mm -hmm. or want Jesus to go into Jerusalem for the day uh, of the Passover, uh, they didn't believe in him yet. Yeah. They grew up with him. Yeah. And couldn't believe in him. Yeah. And so he is the well, Lamb of God. How could they have missed it? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you want to see that verse about his brethren didn't believe in him, that's John 7, verse 4. And if you see want to see the names of his four brothers, you turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, verse 55. His four brothers, James and Judas, are two of them. Um, and so he is called the Lamb of God. He was our living sacrifice, and he gave himself a ransom for all, sacrificed himself on the cross, and shed his blood, just like the Lamb in Leviticus. Right. He had to shed his blood. By the shedding, there, the shedding of blood there without the shedding of blood there is no remission or sin and so jesus christ is the lamb of god i think we'll take a pause at this point and uh, i'll take a sip of coffee